Welcome to Lacrosse Recruiting 101, where the biggest names in lacrosse share their inside views and expertise. Now, your host, Luke Cometti. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with Tyler Perel, Marist Men's Lacrosse Assistant Coach. This is Tyler's second year with the Red Foxes, and prior to Marist, he was the assistant coach at Tampa University for two years and the head coach at Marywood University for four years. As a player, Tyler attended Binghamton University and was a four-year midfielder for the Bearcats. He has the most career assists in program history with 55 and his second all-time with 110 career points. During the podcast, Tyler and I talk about what the Marist men's lacrosse team was able to do this fall and how they are preparing now for the spring season as they are completely virtual. We also cover a variety of different topics such as recruiting, player development, the stacking of athletic and academic scholarship, and why Marist could be the right fit for you or your son. Remember, if there's something I missed or there's something you would like to hear on the next podcast, then please email us at questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com or tweet at our Twitter handle at laxrecruit101. Thanks for listening. Tyler Perel, assistant coach, Marist Men's Lacrosse. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Luke, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. When I was uh, getting ready for this podcast, a quick funny note. I was thinking back, so I had a neighbor who was a little older than I was who played and went to Marist. Um, I think he graduated college in 2005, and I somehow got my hands on one of his helmets, which is a original Cascade red black face mask. I mean, at this point, it's been kicking around my parents' garage. I think it's got some rust in the screws and whatnot, but... uh I think this might be the year that I bring it to Lake Placid and, and wear it. And not so much for the attention, but just to kind of ensure that I, I don't draw the best defender. That's <laughs> <laughs> a shot fired. Huh? <laughs> well, no, not because it's marriage, just because it's an old cascade. I mean, it doesn't even have any stickers <laughs> on it. But <laughs> uh, no, no. no, that's a throwback, throwback gem. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we all have those, those elements laying around somewhere, you know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not wearing the gear, you're not getting that defenseman, you know, you're not <laughs> exactly. looking the part, you know, exactly. I mean, I think it, it might be worth it. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I if you've seen one of those helmets, they look ancient now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one's no one's rocking the black face mask anymore, yeah, everyone's got <laughs> the chrome or whatever, the white, blacks are pretty rare nowadays, exactly. So, what's going on in Poughkeepsie? How are things, uh, with uh, the Maris Mounds Lacrosse program right now? been good i mean obviously different um you know fall was a little rough for us we uh all the new york regulations uh and maris regulations we were just kind of in and out of practices we never really got a, a complete flow going um you know we started off with groups of 10 and, and shifted to groups of 20 for for weight room stuff and field stuff um we were never allowed to have a, a live full practice which was unfortunate for us but um, How many guys do you have on the work. roster? 45. Uh, actually, our largest roster to date is 45 today, uh, this year. Okay. Um, simply because we have six guys coming back, um, you know, seniors that are coming back for their fifth year, and then our guys coming in. So that gives us 45. And that's, the, you know, the biggest we're ever going to have, which 
is one thing you know I'm sure we'll talk about. But one thing I really like about about Maris is the smaller roster size. Yeah. So yeah, we were we were um, a lot of still work this fall. Never really got a full practice in, which is unfortunate. We had a couple uh, spikes on campus, which made us have to kind of lock down a little bit here and there. And um, you know, before you know it, falls over with. So we've been doing a lot of Zoom calls and you know, starting to go over offensive stuff, defensive stuff, things that we would have been doing, you know, live in, in practices, which, you know, pros and cons of it. I mean, we're getting it done. Luckily, we have a lot of guys coming back, and it's a lot of it's a review for the guys. But, you know, for the underclassmen, you know, it's definitely, definitely it's more challenging to, to get them to understand what's going on. Yeah, and this might be too early to tell, but what do you think was, like, the most effective things you guys were doing in the small group setting when you had a group of 10 or a group of 20 even? Like, what do you think worked um, the best to help prepare you for the spring? We honestly focused a lot on just skill work. I mean, obviously, we're hitting the weights hard and the, and the agility stuff hard, um, a lot of footwork stuff. But when we got into helmets and gloves, we were doing a lot of, a lot of uh, skill work. So a lot of stick work stuff, a lot of passing stuff. And then we were just obviously just shooting. Uh, our offense is just, you know, three cages out there and just ripping corners. Um, you know, I think sometimes you underestimate just getting reps. You know, I think uh, a lot of guys, especially coming out of, out of high school, you know, you think you're getting reps until you're at college. And, you know, there's six buckets out there and each, each group has a bucket and you're just going through it. And, you know, upper left, upper right, you know, high to low, hips. Um, you know, just obviously stepping into it and just ripping corners. So that's one thing that we, we emphasize here is just a lot of reps of, of shots offensively and stick work obviously is, is important. So um, those are the main things we really, we really emphasize. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can get enough skill work and like you said, repetitions is, is key, but were you not able to even go live at practice? Correct. Yeah, we weren't we weren't allowed to go live, so we were supposed to go to stages. Supposed to be like one, you know, stage one, stage two, stage three. So we actually only got to stage two this fall. Um, you know, I know you know a few other New York teams were were going full full go, and it's tough when you're trying to tell the guys, you know, that we can't do that stuff. But um, you know, other teams are, you know, and, and they're realizing that maybe we're a step behind because teams are doing that stuff. But um, you know, we just keep being positive, keep telling them that we're going to be ready and this is only going to help us. You know, like you said, there's only so, you know, you can do as much reps as possible. I mean, you know, the more you do, the better. You can never, you can never do too much, you know? So, yeah. um, no, we just kept, kept talking at the guys that it'll all, it'll all work out, you know, keep being positive. Um, you know, and it's also tough too. You're not, you know, getting after each other. You know, the, the guys are day in and day out just doing the same thing over and over again. And all they want to do is just, you know, lay some body and get up and down the field, but, um, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So your team, probably the school went away for Thanksgiving break. Are they not returning to campus until January now? Yeah, correct. Yeah. They went home for for Thanksgiving and then they're not coming back. Um, they're actually possibly thinking about a February 1st start date. Um, so yeah, you know, they're going to be home for a while and we're just, you know, the way we're looking at it is usually we give the guys a lot of time to kind of do their own thing and hit the weights and run and all that stuff. But we got to really focus more on the Zoom calls and making sure we're, we're putting in offenses, going over offenses, defenses, you know, clearing stuff, um, 
having different groups, group Zoom calls um, to just make sure that we at least try to get some of that stuff in and be more prepared for when the fall comes around. So we're not, you know, there's not new drills going in or not new, uh, you know, sets and, and offenses and plays and things like that, that these guys haven't even seen yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. I mean, preparing in a way, you know, at least getting the mental reps in, right. Like you're saying on these zoom calls. So when they step on the field, you know, hopefully early February there, that they're, you know, understand, like you said, the rides, the clears, the offenses. I mean, it, you know, sometimes it does take a, a day or so to really get used to when you're on the field, but at least they'll be further ahead than just kind of coming in blind. Uh, but outside of that IQ stuff, kind of, you know, what you guys will be implementing, what else do those conversations, or you know, how, how else do they sound, and what else do you kind of encourage your players to be doing between now and when you guys return? Well, we usually um, always have a meeting with each guy individually. So, you know, end of the fall, individual meetings, what we call them. I'm sure most, you know, most programs do them. Um, and, you know, we talk to each guy specifically of what they need to work on. Um, you know, you got some guys that got to hit the wall more that got to keep the stick in their hand as much as possible. You got some guys that, you know, have the stick skill that need to, you know, hit the weights and, you know, keep running. Um, some guys that maybe they put on a few extra pounds because, um, you know, we weren't full, full go practice, so they had to lose a few pounds and they got to go some long distance stuff. Um, you know, we hit them with their, their workout packets, their agility packets. Um, we just tell them, you know, what they need to work on and have to get after it. But, um, you know, I think one thing at this level is, you know, who's working right now. This, this time of the year is, uh, one of the most important parts, you know, and, yeah. you know, who's, who's putting in that time on their free time, um, you know, when it's cold out and it's, early in the morning you know they have work later on who's getting up early to go to go run um who's going to the weight room and getting after it you know we definitely harp on that stuff and just you know keep emphasizing having that chip on our shoulder and um you know making the best out of every day and getting better every day yeah and you gotta assume that if they've gotten to the level that they've gotten to right division one lacrosse i'm sure when you guys recruited them it's because they weren't just showing up to practice and that's it right you know they've they're used to putting work in on their own and then probably now more than ever, it's important. Yeah, correct. I mean, you know, most of these guys, we were worried about some guys not having, you know, weight room, you know, weight room accessibility. Um, but all these guys, not all of them, but majority have either a trainer or, you know, gym that they go to or a gym at their house. Um, you know, these guys have been doing it for a while now. I think in order to be at that level, to be at a Division One level and, and be successful, you have to have that in, in your arsenal. You have to have some kind of experience with the weight room and um, the agility and all that stuff. And, um, you know, majority of the guys that are successful have that and, and they buy into that. So, um, luckily, we, we we emphasize that and we have the right guys that, that have that mentality and that spreads and, and it becomes contagious. So, um, you know, a lot of our guys are, you know, invested in that. Looking at all the kind of limitations this fall and maybe the setbacks, maybe, you know, and then you've you've had to adjust. Sounds like you've been able to do some things, but looking back, you know, two years from now, hopefully, you know, when things are back to normal, at least from a college across, you know, schedule fall ball standpoint, looking back, what do you think will be some positives coming out of this past year and the way you guys approach things? or maybe had to approach things because of the limitations? Yeah, I mean, um, I think one positive might be just just the uh, 
to guys being more hungry, right? So, you know, they haven't been able to get out there. And, and you know, sometimes when the fall, a full-fledged fall, you know, our guys and I'm sure other guys, other teams, you know, it's like a, it's like a mini season, you know, our, yeah. you're trying to get out, out of the fall and you need that little break where right now our guys, you know, they, they can't be on the field. You know, they, they've been playing a bit since the season ended last year and they still haven't gone live since then, you know, so. Um, I think that's one positive. It's going to, you know, make, make our guys more hungry and love the game more, you know, want to come back and be on the field as much as possible. Um, I think just the emphasis of, of the, the skill work, um, like we talked about, I think, you know, a lot of times you kind of overlook that sometimes where, you know, in the fall you're trying to put in those clears, you're trying to put in the base offense, the defense, um, you know, maybe some days you're not really working on your, your skill work, your stick work as much as, as you should be. Um, where I think this year, maybe looking back and, you know, two years from now, we might realize that our stick work might be, you know, better than the previous years because of this. Um, so that's something that to look at. And I think also grades, you know, grades for school, um, our grades uh, for our guys have been really good this year, just simply because they haven't had as much lacrosse to, to worry about. I think um, our guys have really been focused and we keep, we kept harping on that, just, you know, not being, not falling off of that you know, really making sure that they're doing well in the classroom. So, um, you know, that's definitely gone up as well. Yeah, those are all excellent points. And I want to go back to that first point. You know, they're, the boys will be hungry, <laughs> as you say, when they come uh, to the spring. Because I had Jack Ambrose on here who played at Yale. And that was one, you know, big thing he mentioned was for them at Yale, they had a very limited fall ball. You know, they were only allowed to do – do it for so long. I forget exactly what the details were, but you know, his point being that when it, they came out in the spring, you know, they were chomping at the bit, they were ready to go and it was fresh for them. And, you know, they played well the whole season. And obviously you've seen Yale have some success even since he's been there. I think he graduated in 2014, 2015, but there's something to be said to kind of keep the players hungry, right? If you have too extensive a fall ball and they get almost kind of burned out, I mean, you don't want to be peaking at the end of the fall or in the beginning of the spring, right? You want that peak to be coming towards, you know, May, you know, end of April, May, because that's when you want to be playing your best across, right, to really make a run. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's, you know, perfect way of saying it. I mean, you know, sometimes in the fall, you know, you, you, you kind of, you learn so much in the fall and you see your guys that are, you know, hitting their stride towards the fall and then they go home and, you know, maybe they're not doing as much, you know, it's not the daily routine. They're not grinding as much. So when they come back, you know, then you got to start rebuilding again, um, you know, get back in shape and all that stuff. And then you know, you're still trying to hit your stride as the season goes on. But um, when you're coming back hungrier, I mean, I think it's only going to make us, you know, more excited to be out there and to be with each other, you know, not being able to see each other as much. Um, that's also one thing too, just playing for each other and, and uh, pushing each other every day to get better and, I think the the main thing is just doing that over break, you know, pushing each other as well over break. Absolutely. And not only has it been different this fall for your current team, but it's been also different trying to recruit your future team. Uh, you know, obviously it's been a dead period since last season. Um, and now it'll continue, I think, through April but how have you and, you know, Coach Wilkinson adjusted in the staff to still be seeing the players you want to be seeing and potentially recruiting the players you want to be recruiting to Maris? Yeah, so we're, um, 
we're a one for one type team. So, you know, like I said, 45 guys is the most we've had on our roster. So what we usually do is when we lose, let's say six guys, um, that are graduating, we're bringing in six guys. So it's it actually honestly hasn't hurt us too much. Obviously we'd love to be out there, um, you know, recruiting and watching guys live, but we've really depended on seeing those live events online, which hasn't been too bad. Um, and then, we make sure that we're looking at as many as many uh, emails as we get, trying to you know see as much film as we can on those guys, and then you know we really really depended on our our travel coaches, uh, high school coaches that we you know that we trust, um, you know the recommendations that they give. So um, no, we've honestly done done pretty well um, in the sense of what we what we've done is we've reached out to our main guys that we've been interested in, and um, we've got them on call with their families and on some zoom calls where we have a drone footage of campus and walk them through it. Um, then a lot of times the family will come on campus, you know, a week later, two weeks later, and they'll do a regular tour with, with, uh, admissions and, and then, uh, kind of go from there. Um, you know, we've, we've been pretty successful with that. Um, I think what's nice about, about Maris too, is that the location, right? So, you know, we're, we're two hours from Long Island, two and a half, three hours from Long Island, um, you know, close enough to the hotbeds, Hudson Valley area, Maryland, Jersey, um, you know, where guys are yeah. kind of far enough or close enough to home. Um, and I think that that helps us in the sense of, you know, selling the school. Um, but we've done we've done pretty well. I mean, it's been, it's been tough uh, not getting out there seeing guys live. That's obviously ideal. But with the recommendations from, from coaches and what we see, uh, and we just trust ourselves and, trust what we what we want um and what we're looking for and when we see it we go after it when you think back to this summer and the fall and players who have caught your eye other than being just a good player right on film or whatever or getting a good recommendation from maybe a high school or club coach what else have they done to kind of catch your eye you know maybe it's the way they emailed Maybe it's the way they communicated on a Zoom call, you know, or, or whatever it is. What, what do you think has helped or will help players in a dead period still be able to get pursued by the schools they want? Well, I think just, I mean, for players that are still looking, I mean, definitely still get to these events. You know, I think that, you know, coaches have definitely been tuning into the live events that have been posted. Uh, being able to see, you know, see that stuff is obviously important. So definitely still getting out there and getting looks. Um, but you know, things that I think stand out, we, we always look for multiple sport athletes. I'm a true believer in that. I played three sports in high school. Um, so we're looking for multiple sport athletes. We're looking for, um, you know, mature young men, um, who can have a conversation, um, you know, families that can hold conversations that seem like good people that can fit into, to our family as well. I mean, um, you know, coach has been here for a while. He has a really good, uh, base with the alumni and the parents and, you know, we're not looking at just the, the kid. We're looking at the family as well. So um, we need an overall good good fit in that sense. Um, you know, guys that represent themselves well, that hold themselves together. Um, you guys that can help hold conversations that are mature, um, but can also, you know, laugh and have a good time as well. Um, I think those are those are important things. Leaders, uh, you know, and then guys that just had that chip on their shoulder. You know, I think our team is filled with that we're filled with guys that have a chip on their shoulder that may not have been that number one number two guy on their in their high school but you know they were they were the guys that were feeding the ball to those number one two guys you know and they might have might have got overlooked um and these guys are now 
you know, here at Marathon, they they have a chip on their shoulder and they want to show guys, you know, what they're all about. So, um, you know, but those are things that kind of just pop into my mind and when you talk about that. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Horse Lacrosse, the number one lacrosse program in Texas for travel teams, camps, and clinics. For more information on Iron Horse, visit their website at www.ironhorselax.com. Let's say you get in a conversation with a player, right, that you're interested in. You know, he's interested in Marist. However, maybe he's looking at a few other schools, you know, maybe even in the MAC conference. What are you telling him? And, you know, not necessarily just selling Marist, but almost this is what Marist is all about, you know, not only from a lacrosse standpoint, but in athletic uh, department, also the school location, like, you know, what are you telling them that if you want this, this will be a good fit? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the location of, of Marist, uh, it's a beautiful campus. It's right on the Hudson river. Um, uh, at least 50% of the, the buildings have a nice little overlook of the Hudson river. And it's you know, hard to get the press there. Um, you know, beautiful campus, like I said, but, uh, smaller school you know smaller class sizes so someone that's looking to not be a number and sitting in a lecture hall um maybe they want to be more hands-on and and be with 30 35 you know students in their class um you know i think that's important when you're looking for a school um size of school so our guys aren't hopping on buses or you know have to drive to to class it's a it's a, a mile long campus so they can walk to everything and i think that's convenient as well um, you can hop on a train and go to the city, you know, an hour and a half train. And then, uh, <clears throat> academically, um, you know, great majors, business major, um, is really popular. There's different categories within the business. You got criminal justice, you got finance and everything within the business. And then you got, um, things like, uh, health services and athletic training, things like that as well. So a wide variety of different majors. And then, um, you know, I think athletically, just the culture that we have. Like I, we talk about a lot of teams talk about the family aspect, but I truly believe that Maris has that family feel where you know, every single guy pushes each other. And like I said, had that chip on their shoulder where they want to become great. So, um, you know, we, we push each other, we have an open forum. So, you know, when we have meetings, it's not a dictatorship, you know, coaches and just the one talking, everyone's talking. We want to hear their opinion. We want to hear, um, you know, what they think about, you know, covering this guy or, know what they feel about um this clear how, you know if you have any questions to make sure they, they talk up you know it's, it's always an open forum we had we had a zoom meeting last night and you know coach coach opened the floor to anybody to, to mention stuff and you'd be surprised uh the stuff that some of these the upper, upper class can come up with and um you know just from experience they can they can talk about it just like we can talk about it yeah you probably learn a little bit from them not only just them learning from you yeah, yeah, correct. I think it's important to, to have them pushing us as well, you know, and when we have losses, it's not one person, two people, this group needs to do better. It's all of us, you know, and, um, that's a point of emphasis that we have daily. Well, you have me sold on Marist, right? And, <laughs> and now I want to commit. Um, but one thing I, I do want to ask, and, you know, just whatever insight you can give, it probably varies from school to school. I, I believe it does. But, you know, it's the stacking of athletic and academic scholarship. I think parents, you know, I, and I, maybe this doesn't even come into play very much, 
But when it does, right, and I think what they're getting at is, you know, if I have academic scholarship and then you offer me some athletic scholarship, do those stack on top of each other or can I only get, right, do they kind of cancel each other out in a sense? You know, if I get 20 for athletic and 20 for academic, I have to almost choose which one I use. How does that work at Marist? And do you have any other insight to how that works at other schools as well? Yeah, I mean, from from what I understand, it, it varies from school to school. Um, I know at uh, at Marist we we can stack, so we wind up actually doing really well with with getting guys money and offers. So we have a team full of uh, you know, pretty smart students. We actually got guys that two guys on our team that are sitting at four O's and um, getting really good academic money. So when we're recruiting guys, we're, we're definitely stacking, um, which allows us to kind of spread our money out a little bit more and, and make it, you know, worthwhile for families that, you know, maybe they, they do need that money. Um, you know, so I'm not sure how other schools do it. Um, I know, uh, you know, at Tampa, they, they could stack as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to do it. You know, if you can stack, why not? Right. Absolutely. And, yeah, that seems to make the most sense. I just know there are schools that are unable to do that, which obviously if you kind of stack, it gives you quite an advantage, as you're kind of saying there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think just too, like anyone that's listening, like if you're if you're a high school student, you know, you got to make sure you're, you're focused on your on your academics, you know, and uh, if you can come in and, and have good good GPA and good SAT score, whatever it may be, you know, you're going to be getting money that way. So, um, you know. Don't don't slack in that area. Obviously, everyone wants to go to college and play play college across, but um, you know, academics is where it's at, and that's going to be your future, right? Hundred percent. Looking back, right, you've been at Marist for a couple of years now. You were at Tampa, right, for a couple of years, and then you were the head coach at Marywood for what four seasons? Yes, sir. Um, you know, that's right. Marywood D3, Tampa D2. Now you're at Division One Marist. How are things similar between the three programs, especially at the different levels? And how might they differ? Yeah. From, so, from like a player standpoint, right? When they're trying, when someone's trying to decide where they want to play or what level they want to play at. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, first off, if you're, if you're looking at it, you know, different levels of schools, I think you got to re- be realistic with yourself, first off. Um, you know, sometimes we get these emails that, you know, I mean, you got to look in the mirror sometimes and realize you kind of what level, you know, you, you should be playing at. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think a big decision too, big decision too is, you know, are, are you looking to go someplace where you're going to play right away, right? So at Marywood, you know, we had a lot of guys that probably could have played at a different level. Um, you know, a handful of guys that probably could have played D2, D1, um, but they wanted to play right away. You know, they wanted to, to, to get on the field and, and make an impact right away. So, you know, we had some, some talented guys. I, I think that Division three level, you're looking at, you know, a handful, five, four guys that could play at um, play at Division two, Division one school. Um, and then you, if you go to the Division two level, you're looking at, you know, 10, 15 guys that, that could play at a division one level, um, that, that I want, again, want to go to a place where they want to play right away. Um, and you know, division two is a better fit for them. And then I think, you know, at division one, you're looking at guys that were their number one, two, three on their, on their you know high school team that are now, 
you know, trying to be the best they can be and, and they want to, you know, compete at the highest level. Um, so I think in, in that, in that sense, um, you know, that's how that kind of goes with the, with the level, the skill level. But, um, I think, you know, Marywood and Marist in a sense are pretty similar in the sense of, you know, selling the school. So Marist is a pretty small division one school, right? Where Marywood was a small D3 school. Um, so you're selling kind of the same stuff where smaller class size, more specific majors, um, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, student athletes that are coming in that are, you know, focused on their academics that, that aren't just going there to, to play, you know, big time lacrosse or big time, you know, sport in general. Um, you know, they want to be successful afterwards. So I think that's important. I think, you know, a place like Tampa, um, obviously a beautiful campus, uh, you know, great time. I mean, it's a good school as well. Um, but you got, you got two, two teams there. You got a JV team, you got a varsity team there. So, um, sometimes I think that places like that, they're, they're looking more for the, the quantity than the quality. Um, where yeah. I think that, you know, Marish, we're looking more for the, you know, the, the quality, um, you know, we're bringing in six guys, eight guys, you know, five guys, you know, we're looking for high quality where some other schools, you know, it's not necessarily that way. Uh, you know, you're looking for more, more quantity. Um, so that becomes a factor, obviously. So, you know, if you're looking for, I would, I would just suggest, you know, for anyone that is, you know, trying to get recruited that you get a list of 10 schools, you know, 10 schools that are, have your major, that's the, you know, far enough or close enough from home that, uh, you know, you feel comfortable that you can get there. And if you want to play, you know, are you that skill level that you can go get on the field and, and compete right away if you're competing for a starting spot. Right. So, um, you know, I think sometimes some of these recruits might have 20 plus, you know, team, you know, schools that they're emailing and, you know, as a, as a coach, you got a generic email that may not even have your name on it. You know, what do you think a coach is thinking about that? Right. They're, <laughs> or they're the thinking wrong every other, yeah, exactly. Or, and then they send the, the email back that, you know, they apologize for that. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think getting a list of 10, 10 schools and being, you know, showing the interest, right. And really, really emphasizing why you, you want to go to that school. Um, and then obviously putting all your information on there and your film and all that stuff. I think that's what kind of stands out when we're looking at emails. Yeah. And I, I love the, the first part, your first point. I mean, there's so many factors and there's so many factors, but as you know, I've said before on here and other, other coaches have said, there's a lot of great options. There's not like one perfect option, right? For a player. There, there's a lot of great ones. And it's just trying to find the one that's going to fit best. However, being able to look in the mirror and say, okay, where can I realistically play that? And also having an understanding that, Hey, if I'm interested in Marist, but I've emailed Marist and you know, they're not showing interest or any school. Right. And I've never heard from them. Then guess what? I mean, yeah, if they reach out, then great. We'll add them to the list, but they sh probably shouldn't be on the list. Right. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that sometimes, um, you know, players think that they can go to a certain level and it's not necessarily, you know, the right fit, right? And like you said, I mean, if you're reaching out multiple times and no one's, you know, getting back to you, um, you know, you might want to move on to another school. Um, and I think it's, it's tough at these times too because you got, you know, for us, us for example, we got six guys coming back because of their redshirt year and we're going to have multiple guys staying in every class. So our, our recruiting classes are going to be smaller. And I think that goes across the board for, for really any division one, I'm sure um, other other divisions too. But 
know, Division One, where these guys are, are coming back for an extra year, um, their fifth year, maybe they want to get their, their masters or, or whatever. Um, so they're going to be coming back, which is going to have smaller class sizes, which is going to affect recruiting. Um, so I think that, you know, if you're a high school sophomore or whatever, um, you're looking to get recruited. And don't be afraid to, to start looking at, you know, other schools that, you know, maybe you think aren't as, uh, you know, at your level. You know, maybe, you, you know, you look for a Division two team, um, you know, that can take more guys. Um, and then maybe you, you transfer. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it really depends on, you know, what they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. All right, Tyler. Last uh, segment of the podcast here called the Fast Five. I'm going to ask you five questions and just give your quick initial answer, but feel free to explain. Number one, if you have to have all your players play another sport in the offseason, what would it be? Um, hockey. <laughs> I'm a big hockey guy. I think hockey and lacrosse relate very, very well together. Um, quick feet, quick hands. Um, you see, if you see a hockey guy and they play lacrosse for the most part, they can handle the ball. Um, their vision's well, you know, they can see the game. Um, and they have good feet, good stick work. So, um, I was a big hockey guy and anyone that I know that played lacrosse and hockey together, um, you know, they're, they're successful. So I would definitely say hockey. Yeah, I agree. A lot of guys I played in high school would played hockey and it just gives you that, I mean, granted, a lot of them had that little underhand cradle when they started out, but just the advantage of having the stick in their hand and moving like they did, I mean, it was definitely huge for them. Sure. Number two, if you could change one rule in college lacrosse, what would it be? One rule in college lacrosse? Um, or add a rule? That's tough. I mean, the face-off, they just changed the face-off again to stand-up. Um, I'd like the, the the knee down, um, but at the same time, you know, guys are going to adjust to the to the standing up. It's going to be a quicker quicker go. Um, you know, bring the dive back. I like the dive as well. I mean, obviously they they put some some rules in for that, which should still work. Um, but that's that's it really. Besides, it. I think keep the game where it is, man. I mean, I, I love it. Love it how it is. I like the shot clock, all that stuff. Yeah, cool. Number three, if you weren't a college lacrosse coach, what career path would you be pursuing? Uh, I would still be in, uh, in athletics. I've always wanted to be uh, like an athletic trainer or uh, even like an athletic director, uh, something along those lines to still be involved in, in sports. Um, for the longest time, I wanted to be a, a, a PE teacher. So for a while, I was actually my, – my place I wanted to go to was Springfield. Um and I was actually kind of set on going there until until Binghamton happened. But, um, yeah, something along those lines where I'd still be involved in, in athletics. I mean, you know, athletics is, was my life. Um, I learned a lot from, from athletics. And anyone that tells you you don't learn, you know, life lessons and stuff like that from athletics is, is, is wrong. So, um, yeah. Number four, what is your favorite sport to watch on TV? to watch on TV probably have to be football uh, football or, or hockey I mean I love hockey but it's not as popular but I, I, I love football um, I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan actually so um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Giants or Jets 
no, no. I, I was a big <laughs> Brett Favre fan. I, I, I wound uh, up wearing number four for, for high school for all my sports. I was a Brett Favre guy, so became a Packers fan and just been that way ever since. But, you know, there's nothing like Sunday football and, you know, just the way it is and re- the red zone nowadays. I mean, you can't beat it. <laughs> for sure. Number five, what keeps you coaching lacrosse? question i think it's a combination of things i mean being with the guys you know and really impacting their lives right so that's that's the goal i think is making them well-rounded adults when they come out of college and and you want to impact them in the sense where you know they want you to go come to their uh, weddings and things like that um you know you want them to be successful afterwards so you know, they don't realize that that's going on, but you're pushing them day in and day out, whether it's in the waiting room or in, in the classroom or on the field, you know, just pushing them day in and day out. And, you know, they may not realize it as it's going on, but, and, you know, later on when they look back and realize, you know, what you've done for them and how you've developed them into being, you know, mature, you know, and, and successful and good people, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's very rewarding. And even if they don't necessarily appreciate it at the time, they usually look back, right? And that's when you get those invites to the weddings. And, you know, they look, when you see them staying in touch, right? Yeah. That, that's what's yeah, that's, awesome. That's what it's all about. I mean, you know, when I was playing, I didn't realize it. You know, you look back now and, you know, you think about the guys that, that impacted, you know, how, who you became, you know. And like I said, that's that's what you want to be a part of as a coach. That's what you want to, to do and then, you know, make them successful. Exactly. Well, Tyler, thanks again for coming on. That was awesome. Learned a lot about Marist, and hopefully this spring, right, when you guys return to campus, you'll be able to uh, hit the ground running without too many setbacks here. I mean, not just you, but lacrosse in general. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it looks looks good. looks like we should be having a season, whether it's, you know, different or not, but um, there should be a season. So fingers crossed for that, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Recruiting 101. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Have a question for Luke? Email them to questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com.